0: Hello, everyone. This is Jeffrey Kerr. I'm here today with the director of a brand new movie titled Pig Killer. It's in theaters now and is set to debut on VOD and Blu-ray on November 21st. Please welcome Chad Farron. Hello. Thanks for having me. To start things off. Would you mind telling us about Pig Killer? Well, it's a horror film based on the uh,
1: actual serial killer Robert Willie Picton, who had a pig farm in Vancouver, Canada, and killed, dismembered, and uh, fed the 49 victims to uh, his pigs from 1983 to about 2001.
0: And how did this project come about to you?
1: Kate Patel, who uh, is an actress and producer, came to me uh, through my friend Jeff Olin, and she pitched the idea of doing this story on him growing up in Canada. She She heard the legend and all the stories, and it was in the news at the time. So she was kind of obsessed with it and pitched the idea to me, and it sounded interesting. And I said, well, if you can find the finance, then, you know, I'll get started on a script. And she said, you know, that's no problem. And uh, we were off and running.
0: Now, how familiar were you with the the true story prior to this?
1: Not at all. I mean, I had read or had been aware that there were killers who had fed victims to pigs, but not this specific one. So, you know, when I got into it, I read up on him and saw a couple documentaries, and it really kind of clicked for me because I grew up on on a farm in the midwest and you know we had pigs we had pets we had all these kind of things that kind of mirrored his life so it was kind of an easy thing to get into his head for me especially the lifestyle of you know living on a farm and being isolated and you know being kind of a reject in some ways because you're of that isolation so you know i was able to relate to him in a sense and
0: what what do you say surprised you most about the research you've done for this film
1: just you know a lot of the things that that he did were more bizarre you know fact being stranger than fiction when it came time to write the script. And, you know, there were so many things that he had done and weapons he had used and the method of the people and the colorful characters that he mingled with that it wrote itself. Really, it was
0: very easy. And how accurate would you say the movie is to the real story? And how much of it would you say is made up?
1: I'd say 90% is real and mixed in with, you know, the stuff that takes a license would be combining characters. The Wendy victim is combined with another character that survived. So, you know, they're just taking... and condensing a lot of the stuff whether it be combining characters into one or you know changing some of the timeline of the events but you know most of it is, is pretty actual.
0: And what was it like getting to make the movie?
1: Oh it was an amazing experience it's always you know when you're making these fast cheap movies that you hope for the best you get what you get but this one almost everything that I wanted came out and it was you know mainly due to a great crew and an excellent cast who everyone put in 110 percent.
0: Yeah and how did you go about casting the film and what was it like? like getting to work with your actors? Well, we first started, I sent it out to a couple actors that I knew who
1: I thought would be great for Willie, which were, you know, Noah Segan, who I'd worked with before, uh, Pat Healy, Fred Durst was one consideration for the Willie role and it was very close to working something out but he had a lot of changes he wanted to the script and I just wasn't comfortable going to the amount of changes he wanted in his character would just kind of change it from the horrors that the actual Willie had committed being watered down and I just didn't want to go that direction so Jeff Old And suggested, hey, I'm friends with Gary Busey's wife. Maybe what do you think if we get the script to Jake Busey and see if he'd be interested in playing the Willie role? I said, great. He sent it to him. Jake loved it. We met up. He was a great guy. He was cast and it was pretty much off and running with him.
0: Were there any things that ended up on the cutting room floor that you wish stayed in the final cut? no
1: you know I, you know there were a few things a few scenes that worked but they were just you know didn't need and it had already a two hour runtime. it was kind of one of those things where I picked the best stuff that we could and anything that ended up is interesting but it, it didn't help or move the story so it, you know I got rid of it they'll be on the special features blu-ray so anyone who can check them out and see if I made a mistake by not having them in there
0: yeah, I'm sure fans will probably make their own fan extended cuts putting those things back in if they wish they hadn't been deleted oh that would be Great. So, what do you hope audiences take away from the film?
1: I just hope, you know, like anything, a good experience with a film, even if you don't like the film 100%, if you can pick up certain things, whether it's the music or a performance by an actor or the cinematography, whatever it is, if you can pick up little things, and like, okay, that got me through. And if you finish the movie all the way to the end, I mean, that's more than 90% of the movies I watch these days. You watch 10 minutes and it's like you tune out because it's not moving. And I think Pig Killer moves 100%, and, you know, there's a lot of great performances. And the fact of the true story element is fascinating and terrifying at the same time. So I think anyone and everyone can come away with something interesting in the film.
0: And that's the time of this recording. The SAG after-strike was just resolved last week. What does that mean to you as big killers coming out now?
1: Uh, nothing. I think the union is bullshit. I try not to shoot union. I get actors to give a waiver, you know, so they're not in the union because there's just so many, when you're making these so cheap, you cannot go by the guidelines of what they have. It's so much easier to just do it in an independent film in the truest sense without any union involvement without any of that i mean i'm all for actors getting the the best pay possible and that's what i try to do on these films but if going by union guidelines it it would be just insurmountable to tackle a hundred thousand dollar film and you know 12 day shoot doing a 120 page screenplay you've got enough limitations without a union breathing down your neck and telling you what to do and who not to do and where's their covid test and all these other little things it's hard enough to make a movie without a big brother looking over your shoulder
0: Shoulder. I guess lucky you didn't have to deal with all of what was going on with SAG and I guess fall unions in general.
1: Yeah, no. And, you know, we shot it before all that. We shot in about a year ago. So it was kind of before this uh, all started. So, you know, you, sometimes you can deal with SAG, whether it's, you know, the new media contracts or certain things. But COVID put a, a real blockade on all of those because they put in all these testing guidelines and all these costs that would just be so prohibitive that it forced a lot of films either to shut it down or to go
0: non-union. Yeah. And I guess what was that like dealing with all the COVID protocols?
1: Yeah, I know. I don't do that. You know, if, if people wanted to wear a mask or they wanted to get vaccinated, that's up to them. I don't make sure that they do these things. It's your body, your choice kind of thing. I don't, you know, put a restriction on that.
0: So going back to the beginning, how did you first get started in filmmaking?
1: You know, I've always just been obsessed with cinema and, you know, growing up with a little black and white TV, watching Twilight Zone and Alfred Hitchcock Presents, Outer Limits, One Step Beyond. I mean, Doctor Who, the fantasy element of cinema just drew me in at a young age. And it really just gave me this creative juices flowing, especially with horror and sci-fi and noir and Western. I I mean, all these things just exciting me. So I, you know, from the moment I was can remember, I've always wanted to make films. And I took a theater class, directed and starred in a play, and loved it. And then moved out to California and worked as a production assistant with Neo Motion Pictures, Mike Leahy who gave me my break. And you know, I learned everything kind of behind the camera by seeing how it's done. And then I sold my house in Minnesota, made my first film, Unspeakable, and I've been doing it ever since.
0: I myself happen to be inspiring screenwriters, or I recently wrote a script. I'm trying to get produced in independently here in my area of residence in North Carolina. So just keeping my fingers crossed for that.
1: Yeah, no, I think the important thing is if you want it bad enough, it'll happen and you just have to keep working at it until it does.
0: And for those who'd like to pursue a career in filmmaking, where do you think would be a good place to start?
1: Well, I think nowadays it's so easy because, you know, whether it's an iPhone or whatever, you can shoot kind of any movie and still have a certain quality if you've got the eye for it. And it's just any state, any country, anywhere, you can make a movie. So if that's your goal, you can make it happen. The technology has opened all these new doors of making films that it's pretty exciting.
0: And I don't know if you've seen Talk to Me, because that movie was the feature directorial debut for a pair of YouTube filmmakers.
1: Right, right, right. No, and I think, you know, it's done quite amazingly well. And it's, you know, really kind of getting the right time of the right project and the right talent involved and you know big things can happen but I don't think everyone has to be focused on that kind of goal just you know if you like making movies just make the best you can and hope that it goes wherever it goes and that finds an audience I mean I don't sit here waiting to be you know the next huge director or a movie star or a, you know famous in any way I just love making these films and if the budget is a hundred thousand or two million I still go in with the same energy and the same excitement and do the best I can.
0: And before we go do you have any other upcoming projects that you'd like to share with us?
1: But yeah, we're doing an H.P. Lovecraft film, Beyond the Wall of Sleep, with Eddie Furlong, Bai Ling, Jake Busey, Susan Prever,
0: Robert Miano, uh, Steve Railsback, shooting in December. Well, hey, guess good luck to you on that. Thank you. Chad, I thank you very much for devoting your time to this interview. It was great getting to talk to you. Same here. Thank you. And uh, thank the audience for uh, checking it out. And for those who'd like to keep up with your career, where can people find you on the internet? Well, I'm on Facebook.
1: I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Just type in my name and you'll find me.
0: Be sure to catch Pig Killer in theaters now or on VOD and Blu-ray beginning November 21st. You can find more information through a link in the episode notes. So thanks again for joining me today. Hey, Chad, this was great.
1: Great. Right. Thank you, Jeffrey.
0: If you love this show, please leave us a review. Go to slash care reviews podcast and follow the simple instructions. Feel free to subscribe to wherever you get this podcast. If you'd like to find more content from me, please visit my website, which is www.carereviews.net. You can also find it on Twitter at CareReviews and me at Jeffrey Care. Thanks for listening, and I will see you all later.